Hello, everyone. I'm Brian DeNovellis, and welcome to episode 18 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. It is getting serious once again, folks. It's supposed to be joyous. It's supposed to be merry, and it is. So please take time to celebrate Christmas, celebrate the holidays. Hopefully, you're able to be together in some fashion, whether it's in person or remotely. Uh, do smaller gatherings. Just be together. Carry on those holiday traditions. They're so important. I hope and I pray we're all able to do that at some point this Christmas holiday season. We need something positive. COVID cases, they're spiking once again across the globe. In some cases, we're seeing record numbers. It's affecting all of us in the workplace, our schools, our universities, and obviously in the sports world. News coming down this week, the NHL shutting down until after, after Christmas, NFL games being rescheduled, NBA games being canceled and rescheduled. We saw Rutgers, they had to cancel a pair of home games with Ryder in Central Connecticut. Head coach Steve Peichel hoping to reschedule that Ryder game at some point. The Central Connecticut game has already been rescheduled for New Year's Day, so there's some positive news there. Coach Peichel going back to his home state, right? Bristol, right next to New Britain, Connecticut, where Central Connecticut is, so uh, I know that Coach Peichel wanted to really get that game in uh, for all of the, the recruiting and the people back in his home state of Connecticut. Uh, it's great for both programs, Central Connecticut and Rutgers, to get that game on. And hopefully we'll see Rutgers and Ryder at some point. Meanwhile, Seton Hall, they haven't played a Big East game yet. And yet they're one and one following a COVID forfeit to St. John's and a, a COVID victory over DePaul. I mean, it's it's crazy, but... There is good news. As of the recording of this podcast, news did break on social media that multiple conferences were revisiting and hopefully revising their COVID policies that were in place months ago prior to this latest outbreak. My hope is that conferences like the Big East are not going to penalize teams that are forced to shut down due to COVID protocols, which, let's face it, could be no fault of their own. Because these, the variants are not affected by the vaccine or these booster shots. And in many cases, they're out there, the athletes and coaches, they're testing positive, and yet they're fully vaccinated. So how do you possibly punish these programs, these players, these coaches, these fans, for when they're doing the right thing and they just have unfortunate luck? Look, it's got to change ASAP. It looks like it will even if it means that some teams don't play a full conference schedule, let, so be it, right? Let's, let's go by winning percentage, and you can just include uh, the head-to-head -head as a tiebreaker, however you want to do it. Let's do our best to get these games in and revise these policies. It's just the right thing to do, and it's happening so fast. If there's one thing that we've learned during the past two years, it's that all of these rules and advisories, they need to be constantly reviewed and revised because information is changing by the day, by the hour, and we're all trying to navigate this COVID situation together. So it's just the right thing to do. 
one program in New Jersey that's navigating through this college basketball season like they've never navigated it before is Monmouth. The Hawks, they are flying high. They beat Colgate on Sunday in West Long Branch, 77-66. They are 10-2. It is their best start ever since going Division I. It is my pleasure to welcome the head coach, who's now in his 11th season at Monmouth, King Rice. Coach, great to talk to you again. Welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, that's a great introduction. Um, our team is doing very well right now. We got a, a great group of guys. Um, and it's not just us, just everybody at Monmouth since this pandemic has started from our, the top with our leadership, uh, our president has done a tremendous job and made us feel safe on campus. And I think that's the number one thing. Our kids feel supported. And right now it's helping us on the court. So you brought me down that path, coach. Let, let's talk about COVID a little bit because it's, it's everywhere, right? It's in society. It's in the NHL. It's in professional sports, college basketball. We see, you know, it affecting Seton Hall and Rutgers. Um, what is it? in your mind, uh, you know, do you think about it, number one? And number two, how have you been able to successfully navigate it so far through this young season? Well, I think all of us, I think everybody, not just college athletics, I think everybody's thinking about it. Um, regardless if you, if you think you need a shot or not, you're thinking about it. And, you know, when you're a leader of a group of young men and of a college basketball program, you have to think about it and you have to try to make sure your kids are safe first. And we did that by being vaccinated, um, but we wear our masks. Um, the school's done a good job of, of telling us what the rules are and how we have to follow it, follow them. And uh, our guys have done a tremendous job, but you can still do a tremendous job and catch it. That's what we're finding out now. Right. So I think, you know, what, where I'm at with it is I, I hope the higher ups come up with a plan for this year. OK, because right now it's sounding very similar to last year's plan. And I thought if we all got vaccinated or if people got vaccinated and you didn't have symptoms, you don't have to get tested. Well, now we're finding this new variant is different and people are getting it and not having symptoms and it's shutting teams down. So I, I, I think the higher ups, the NABC, the NCAA, whoever's in charge, we, we have to look at it because it's. One, it's just not fair for everybody who got vaccinated and you told us it was going to be one way. And now we're going to have to shut down and quarantine for 10 days if somebody gets it. Seems like there, there, some people got to get in the same room and just talk about what we're doing so then we can at least kind of tell our teams what we're up against. I am with you 100 percent. And there's a lot of people with you 100 percent. For those of us on the outside of the program, are the are the players and coaches no matter if they're vaccinated or not, and, and you said you're, everyone is, are they still being tested regularly? Um, our guys, the, the rules at our school are if, if you don't have symptoms, you don't have to have a COVID test because we are vaccinated as a group. Our whole group did it. Um, our school put it in and my team did it. Okay, everybody, you know, everybody when we did it was like, well, your school said you had to. Well, there's a lot of schools that said you had to and people still didn't do it. OK, so our guys did it and we're so far we've been good. Now, we did get hit with the flu a couple of weeks ago, and that's that's a tough one, too, because all of a sudden you bring these kids in or they call you 
with symptoms of something mm -hmm. and you say, okay, you got to go to the health center now. Well, now they have the flu. Well, you have to shut down for the flu. They, they make you not be by the team for the flu and you have to take medicine. And, you know, some families didn't want their kids taking that medicine, you know? So there's, there's just a lot going on right now with this. And we're trying to follow what everyone told us we would be able to, if we follow, we'd be able to play. And so far we've, we've been able to play all our games. Um, but now all of a sudden, a lot of people's games are getting canceled. And, you know, I just want my kids to be safe. I feel safer because we're vaccinated, but you know, I'm in charge of this group and I, I don't want our guys to be sick. The mental aspect of it last year really broke kids down, broke adults down, broke administrators down. And uh, I just, I'm hopeful that we all don't have to go through it again because the quarantine for 10 days when you're in college and then you get put in a dorm with nobody gets to come see you. They drop your food off. You don't get to come outside. That one was hard for our kids. And I'm sure it wasn't just my team. Um, and then kids who had to do it a couple of times, if we had to get shut down again, I don't know if my group would have stayed together. Right. And, and like you said, coach, these rules are in place, not just for the college athletes, but um, college students themselves. So it's not like they're doing the athletes any favor and they have to be at a high level to perform athletically. And um, listen, I wish you all the best. Uh, I hope that, you know, nobody has to go through this again, but already we're seeing it. So, you know, continued success in dealing with that on the court coach. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start when you put this schedule together and you saw Charlotte and you saw Cincinnati and Pitt and Princeton and now Hofstra. I mean, my gosh, what a daunting test. I know you're taking it one game at a time, but this program is leading Division I with seven road wins. You're knocking off Giants, reminiscent of 2015 and 2016, 2017. Um, how have you been able to do it and um, you know, have so much success so far on the road and at home? Well, I, I, I give all the credit to our kids. I challenged our guys last year after the season, um, and I challenged them pretty hard. And we were coming off winning the regular season championship, didn't do well in the tournament. Um, we were rolling along and then had to shut down and never really got it back. But I challenged them all to change their bodies this summer. And I think with our strength coach, Mike, he did a tremendous job with our guys. Even through the pandemic, our guys really worked at home this summer. Um, we, we let them go home because I thought it was important to, to get our families back together so people could hug on their kids and kids hug on their parents and just just really with what the world was going through, just be with your family. So our guys did a tremendous job of getting their bodies in great shape was the first thing. And then, you know, George Pappas and Marcus coming back um, gave us two big time players that already knew how we did things. And then you add Shavar uh, Reynolds and Walker Miller. Well, now I have four guys that are 23, 24 years old with Shavar being in the Big East and, and being a major, major contributor. You know, on those teams at Seton Hall, Shavar was starting a lot of those games or playing starters minutes or playing finishers minutes and hitting big shots over his career. So we get a young man that's, that's really supposed to be having his rookie season as a pro and he's on our campus, which really just lifted our whole program up. 
And then you, you talk about Walker Miller, who's a young man who really didn't get a chance at North Carolina, who could have gone to multiple, multiple mid-majors and became a, a big-time guy. Um, he, he would have been a major player in our league the whole time he was in school, but he got to learn from a Hall of Famer. I think his parents thought he should play. I think he wanted to play. Um, the coaches on the staff told me, King, this kid can really play. But he was behind four high school All-Americans. And he never complained. He never thought, coach is cheating me. Um, he speaks so highly of Coach Williams, you know, the things that he learned there. He just thought those guys were better than him. And, you know, coach played the guys he felt were the best guys to give North Carolina a chance to win. And Walker's role was to get them ready for the games. Most guys that play a role like that, it would be hard for them to step into the role that I have Walker in right now. But that's a credit to him. That's a credit to what he learned at North Carolina. Um, his brother, Wes, is a big-time coach at Cincinnati. Him pushing him to be better even when he wasn't playing. And it's a credit to his mom and dad because they kept believing in him and they kept the environment good for him. You know, some parents, sometimes when your kid isn't playing, you you overreact and you put undue pressure on the kid. And Walker's parents never did that to him. They told him, you keep working and good things will happen for you. And now he's getting to live this life of, of a main guy on a college team when he just wanted to show people he was capable of playing in the games. So when you start with four older guys like that, and you had Nikkei Ruddy and Sam Shapu, who are regular seniors, well, that's six guys that are grownups. That's how we do it in our program. When Most guys have their best years um, as seniors with me. And I've had some great freshman years and sophomore years and all that stuff. But most guys really go through the program and have their best years, their senior year. And the thing about on the road at home, that's just Dean Smith coming out in me. Okay, mm -hmm. we play how we play. I think no matter who we're playing against, we're going to play the same brand. I'm not going to go into a high major building and then try to hold the ball because I, 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 I don't like that. Um, I'm trying to win the game, but I'm trying to win how we play. And we pressure defense. We sprint it up the floor and try to score quickly. And then we run some really good stuff and can pick you apart. So that's what we've been doing. I think our defense and rebounding and taking care of the ball are the key things this year. Um, you know, we've been out rebounding in two of our 12 games. And that's really big time for us because our rebounding has never been that good. And at the pace we play and getting up and down like we like to, our turnovers are way down. So that's just all the credit to the kids doing the things we're asking them to do. Fantastic, Coach. In an era of, you know, three-point shooting becoming beyond anything we've ever experienced and you've ever experienced as a coach and a player at North Carolina, it's so refreshing to hear you say two things that are dear to me, defense and rebounding. And they still matter, coach, no matter how the game is transforming in front of us. No, those that that's always going to be. And there's there's been years, you know, when I had those teams in 15 through 17, whatever. And we were the fun group and we had the bench mob and we scored 80 and all this stuff. But we were the number one defensive team. OK, and so people never really gave that group credit for their defense. You know, we because we had 80 in the bench mob and Justin could go crazy on anyone 
You know, so everybody talked about those things instead of how solid those teams were on the defensive end. Um, we led the MAC two years in a row with the best team on the defensive end. Unfortunately, coaching got in the way and and we didn't get to the tournament. But we're 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 a group that preaches defense first, and we pre we preach pressure defense. Okay, I'm a North Carolina guy, and when I played there, we got after you. Okay, to be the point guard at North Carolina, you had to pick people up full court. Well, now I have Shavar and Miles Ruth and Sam Shapu, so we should be able to do that. And if your point guard can do it, well, then the rest of y'all should be able to deny your guy for two steps. Okay, and that's the thing where a lot of people aren't playing pressure defense anymore. So you, you, when you practice, you're not practicing against the heat that you're going to see when you play us. And it just makes the game different. And so far this year, it's worked for us. We've seen Shavar Reynolds do it, like you said, at Seton Hall. He routinely guarded the other team's best player while still trying to run the offense. So what is it like seeing him do it firsthand in practice and at games for you now in West Long Branch? See, I, it's funny that, that we're talking about this right now, because yesterday morning after our game the other night, I, I went home and. I just didn't feel good about it. Okay. We won. Um, Colgate's really good. Last time we played them, they beat us badly up there. And I, I felt like they were, they were just so much better than us and you could see it. Um, so I was really ready for this game and they had a couple guys out, but our, our, you know, we ended up winning the game, but they shot 50%. They were, they were like 60% from three in the first half. They totally played at their pace. So after the game, you're happy that you won, but that wasn't a Mammoth basketball win. That wasn't how we're supposed to attack things, especially at home. After being on the road, you should show your fans what got you all those wins. And we came out not really guarding like we should. And um, I got after him at halftime and said a lot of stuff that I had. I apologized to him after, you know, because that that way of getting it done, I don't think is the way anymore. I don't think screaming at kids and yelling at them is the way to move them. And that's what got them that day. It worked for a, during halftime. I get my group came out and really got after them. But I felt terribly using the words I used in the locker room. And, you know, they don't deserve that. I, I don't talk to my family that way. And I should be a better coach than to get so frustrated that I have to just scream and yell. And it just didn't sit right with me. So I met with the super seniors yesterday morning and just let them know. I, I said, guys, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever have a group as special as you guys right now, what you are doing and how you are doing it. I might coach another 10, 20 years and never have a group like this. So I'm telling you, I think you're doing outstanding. But then I went through the group one through four and I told each and every one of them that they're not getting it done to the level that I expect of them. And it was hard to tell Shavar that because I just praised him so much how he's doing in our program. And it's a really a different role for him. And he's not guarding like he did at Seton Hall. He's just not putting that same. He's guarding great. But I expect him to be the best defender in our league. I, I expect him to turn guys three or four times up the floor. And he wasn't asked to score. He was asked to do that at Seton Hall. But on the other end, he was told to get the ball to people just make sure you don't turn it over. Well, I'm asking them to get 18, 15 to 20 and guard that way mm. and push it way faster than they used to push it. And now I'm telling them he has to do it even better. 
because he can. And then I told Walker, you're averaging 16 and seven. I need you to be at least nine or 10 rebounds, man. You six, you six, 11, bro. And Colgate out rebounded us. Okay. So as great as you're doing, and I'm praising you for how you're doing and your work ethic and all of that, not good enough, George, you haven't guarded like yourself all year. And you think everybody's supposed to throw you the ball every time. Everyone's looking for you, George. You played like George Pappas against Colgate. The last games you were playing like a wannabe Steph Curry, okay, where you're shooting from 35 feet and you don't make those. You make all of them from a step outside the three-point line. Stop all that craziness and play like yourself and start playing defense. And then Marcus McCleary, who's having a great senior year, um, had a great one last year, now a super senior year. Well, I jumped Marcus because he's had 10 turnovers in the last three games that he didn't have that many in our first nine games. But now all of a sudden he's trying to do things that he's not good at anymore or he's not good at. So we want him to stay to the things he's really good at and stop trying to throw those Magic Johnson passes on the break. Because they're mature, they took that heat. They laughed at me from the words I used in the locker room. They was like, are we still that, coach? Because you called us all these names yesterday. And I was like, guys, you know I feel bad for that. You know, no, you're not. So I'm always going to push them because the standards that we are trying to reach, we're not there yet. And 10 and 2, that's great. They told me it's the best start. I want to have the best finish in school history. Okay, that's the one I'm trying to build towards. Hopefully it's this year. Um, but one of these years, it's going to be the best finish in school history. And, you know, we're going to keep working until we get that. Hey, why not this year, coach? And, you know, it's great to hear, hey, everybody needs tough love, right? Whether you, <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, metaphorically, whether you spank your kids and then you feel so bad afterward that you give them a hug or you curse at them or yell at them. And obviously you feel bad. It takes a, a bigger man, a bigger person to tell them, hey, I apologize but it's tough love. Um, we all need that from time to time. So I applaud you for that. Let's look ahead to this game against Hofstra because again, here comes another tough game on your schedule, coach. It's a grind. It's one after another. And this team, Hofstra's just coming off an upset against number 24, Arkansas. They have some dudes. I mean, Jalen Ray and Zach Cooks who uh, nearly had a triple double against Arkansas. And Ray had 22 points and four three-pointers. How do you match up against Hofstra, and how do you handle them on Wednesday? Well, these games, you know, Hofstra is a great game for us, okay? They're in New York. We're in New Jersey. They're in the CAA. We're in the MAC. Um, I know their coaching staff very, very well. I'm friends with them. Um, I looked up to Coach Mahalik. Um, when he when he went there, we set up a, a we're going to play Hofstra. I'm friends with Rick Cole. Um, you know, him being at Iona, we had some crazy battles. But I always thought he was a fair athletic director. Um, I thought he was a really good man. Um, you know, so I know the people over there. The part I don't like is in, in Jalen Ray. Jay, Ray kid, man, he kills us every time. It's, it's like he's built to kill mama. Um, you know, they had the Justin Foreman kid that made the pros. Um, young man that's at St. John's now was always killed us. We probably should have recruited him when we recruited Ray out of Cardozo. So, you know, all these kids, Eric Estrada, 
Come on, what can you say? He's a baller. He killed us when he was at St. Peter's. Um, you feel bad for Shaw because, you know, the transfer stuff. Shaw gets that kid at St. Peter's and he goes to Oregon, you know. That, so you still got to give Shaw credit for recognizing and getting that young man there. Right. You know, so now Speedy's the coach. So let's take our hats off to the people at Hofstra for hiring Speedy. Um, I know the young the co young coach that was there last year after coach got sick, he was very deserving too. Okay. And they went with uh, their Hall of Fame coach, which Hall of Fame player, which I, I applaud Rick for doing that um, to give Speedy this chance. And now what he's doing with the program, you know, coach Mahalik was great and did big time things, but I think it with Speedy being the coach, if anybody could really lift it up to the next step, I think he's the man to do it. And I think it's shown in his recruiting already to have this team put together in your first year where he had to go out and do some work to get this team put together. And then to have them, you know, have some major guys back and you add some pieces. Well, sometimes the major guys back don't like those pieces that you add. And it, it, so far, it seems like it's just fitting perfectly. And that's a credit to Speedy and his staff. Now to the game, you know, they've beaten us four times in a row. And the first one, I can still remember like it was yesterday. We were winning the game and Dion Hammond got fouled a couple of times and he missed. And every time he missed, they came down the court and scored. Then the last time he missed, we were up three. And I've never fouled in, in that situation. Everybody says you have to foul, you have to foul. And I've never fouled. But I was tired of losing, and I'm like, I'm going to foul this time. Hey, when he gets across, let's foul. <laughs> Kid makes the first. I'm like, he's going to miss. This is what they're doing. They might even call the timeout to set it up. We told them what was coming. And they executed it so great, you couldn't even be mad. They miss it perfectly. They screen our guy. The other guy gets it. He tips it out. They screen the guy out on the three-point line. He catches it, and he makes it. And we lose. That, that a million things had to happen, coach. <laughs> I would foul, by the way. I'm a I foul. That's me. <laughs> I, I, I was so sick because I'm like, if you would have just guarded him like you know you're supposed to do, you wouldn't have made, you would have missed. Okay. But that that time it went like that. Well, then I think they they had moved up a little bit. They they had that group together and they stayed together. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they were just better than us. Um, one time they were beating us badly at the start and we got it back to respectable and then they killed us at the end. So it's a it's a step up for us just in general. It's a step up for us. But those are the types of challenges that I like. I think if we can compete against the top teams in the CAA, then we have a chance in the MAC. And everybody can say what they want not just this year and not just since Coach P. Coach P has really lifted our league up. That is obvious. But this league had a bunch of really good coaches in it before, and everybody really worked hard, and we'd get after each other, and we didn't get nationwide recognition. But the coaches in this league are good, and these games are tough to deal with and all that stuff. And now you bring in Coach P, and everybody's lifted up now in the MAC. So for me, to to play games that you're just supposed to win doesn't do me any good because it doesn't get me ready for what I'm going to see in the Mac. You know, the teams that are picked at the bottom always give us tough games. So I like to challenge ourselves and 
Hofstra's right up the road. They're good people. It's a great school. Um, I like their, their teams. I like people from their school. So I think it's a great game for Monmouth, even though we haven't had a lot of success over these last couple of years. Um, you know, I think it's a game that we need to continue and hopefully Speedy and I will keep this game going for a long time. No question. I think it's great for the tri-state area. Like you said, the players know one another, the coaches know the coaches, the, the players know the coaches and vice versa. It, it's great for New York, New Jersey basketball. Coach, uh, one more question before I let you go. And this is a personal question for you because let's go back to your introductory press conference back in 2011. You're introduced at Monmouth. You're coming from Vanderbilt University as an assistant coach there. And you're coming here and you're going to try to navigate an area that, you know, you kind of grew up near. Binghamton isn't that far from New Jersey. If I had told you back then that you would be here 11 seasons later, would you have believed it? 100%. Um, now, when you, when you sit down and in this business, you know, if you, you know there's chances that you might get fired, um, you might have success and get another job and all that stuff. But if someone told me that I would be blessed enough, okay, to be a head coach for 11 years at one school, I, I would have I definitely signed up for it. Um, I feel like I'm lucky um, that it was Monmouth that picked me to be the head coach because it didn't start great. We did a great job cleaning up things. We did a great job with the, the off the court stuff. We did a great job in school. The basketball took too long for me. Um, the first year, I thought that we'd turn it then. We did move it because we went from six wins to 12. But I'm not a 12-win type of guy, okay? So I felt like we failed miserably. Then the next year, when you think you're really ready, you know, to, we lost 20 again. And then it happened again the third year. Now, the program was better. But usually if you start off and you have three 20 lost seasons, you're not yeah. the coach there anymore, no matter how much they like you. Um, a lot of my friends have, have not made it that long. But Dr. McNeil believed in what we were doing. She saw the improvements. She was a basketball coach and she re-upped us. OK, she put me back to five years after those three. And then it was almost like that's when I became a coach um, because I didn't have to worry about being fired. I didn't have to worry about looking over my shoulder. I could truly make decisions that was best for our kids. Because once you're under the gun as a coach and you're thinking you might get fired, you're just trying to win a game now. And you might not be making the best decisions for your kids' future. You're just trying to win so your family gets to keep having this good life. By her re-upping our staff after that third year, it just it showed who Mammoth was. It showed me that it wasn't just about winning, that I needed to grow in, in a lot of areas, and the winning will come. And I think she saw that growth on and off the floor with our players and with my staff, gave us that chance. Then we go 18 wins, 25, 27, 28 wins, something like that. And now that enabled us to be here for these years. Um, and, you know, in our 10 years, we won three regular season championships in the MAC. We've switched leagues. You know, a lot of guys, that's the other part. You switch leagues, you lose 20. You get a new president. One of those things will get you a, a, a red slip. I've had four presidents. I've switched leagues once. 
and now my athletic director retired um, and we're still standing, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm blessed. Um, this is on God's time. Um, so I don't, you know, where I'm at is where I'm supposed to be. And, and I'm, I'm learning that I can still do more things to help more people, not just my players, not just the community and West Long Branch and Long Branch, but the community I'm from in Binghamton. Um, I'm, I'm just feeling like somehow the Lord put me in this spot to do these things. And I don't know if I'm doing enough. So I gotta, I gotta do more for, for people in need. And if I continue to do those things, the Lord is going to take care of me and make sure my family's in the spot that we're supposed to be in. Well said, coach. You are truly blessed. Uh, as college basketball fans in this area, we are blessed to have you uh, leading this program. And let's face it, some people, you know, I'm an outsider. I came from Connecticut. You came from Binghamton. You know, people who don't know New Jersey think it's hell, but it's a pretty nice paradise, coach. I've been here 26 years and New Jersey, I love it. I do love this place. And you've seemed to uh, grow to love it as well. No, and that's what happens. And I, I didn't know there was this much in New Jersey Went from the outside looking in. You fly into Newark, you fly into the city, you don't see a lot. Um, I, I've, I've gained a, a whole new understanding, um, but you have to stay here to get accepted now. It yeah. takes some time to break through in New Jersey. They're not just going to put their arms around you. At the beginning, I don't care if you win. I don't care. They'll say, yeah, you won, but you're not from Jersey. Right. And it just takes some time. And I, I, I think I've gotten through. You know, I got a 10-year-old son now who was born here. I think that might put a check mark in my corner, <laughs> um, you know, to help me be accepted as a Jersey, Jersey uh, person. But uh, it is a great area to live in. Um, my first son, Xander, grew up here uh, from fifth grade, and now he's a junior at Bucknell, and Julian was born here. This is the longest me and my wife. She grew up in Laguna, me and Binghamton, but we've we've been all over the world together, but this is the place we've lived the longest outside of our hometown. So we're, we're fortunate to be here. We love it. And she's from Laguna Beach, so that's a pretty awesome spot, oh, too. Oh, man. So I'm um, my favorite spot. I get this beach, I get that beach, and then I get to go to the paradise of Binghamton that I call home. So <laughs> everybody in Jersey and Laguna Beach, watch out. Binghamton's making a comeback. <laughs> Laguna Beach, another place uh, close to my heart. As they say, Coach, New Jersey and you, perfect together. Uh, it has been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Coach. Uh, I, I could listen to you for hours. Um, and I hope we get this opportunity to talk again soon. Thanks so much for coming on. Of course. And tell your students, I'm sorry for taking over their class for a few minutes. But uh, we'll keep that between us. <laughs> All right, coach. Be good. Thank you. See you. Coach Rice, you almost blew my cover. Oh, I enjoyed hearing coaches' stories and just he's the type of guy you ask him a question and just layout. Let him do the talking. And it's fascinating to hear his perspective on things, whether it's COVID, whether it's the, the journey that he, he's taken at Monmouth, or just life in general. It is fascinating to hear him talk basketball. And man, that was a pleasure. Get out to see Monmouth this year. Trust me, this team is fun to watch. 
they get at it. And when they don't, you heard them, the coach will get on them, but they respond because they're young men. They can deal with adversity and they know that coach has their best interests in him. The culture is special at Monmouth. I can't wait. Get out to see this Hofster game. The Iona game, that's going to be a madhouse with Rick Patino coming in on Sunday, January 9th. Do yourselves a favor, like I said, Monmouth is worth the price of admission. And if you can't get out there, follow them when they're on television, online. Uh, can't wait to see what happens this year in the MAC conference. It is going to be fun to watch. All right, that will do it for another podcast here and the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My wish for you this Christmas is for all of us to enjoy college basketball. But more than that, I hope you're all healthy. I hope you stay healthy during the holidays. Stay safe. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. We will catch you on the other side of Christmas as we continue to follow a special season for college basketball right here in the tri-state area. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.